From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Thank you for joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that will provide insights into the various aspects of our Lord's temporal ministry, from His teaching and miracles to His atoning death on the cross and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled, True Walking Posture. The text is found in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 9. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely. His walk may be slow, but it is sure. He that hasteth to be rich shall not be innocent nor sure, but steady perseverance in integrity, if it do not bring riches, will certainly bring peace. In doing that which is just and right, we are like one walking upon a rock, for we have confidence that every step we take is upon solid and safe ground. On the other hand, the utmost success through questionable transactions must always be hollow and treacherous. And the man who has gained it must always be afraid that a day of reckoning will come, and then his gains will condemn him. Let us stick to truth and righteousness. By God's grace, let us imitate our Lord and Master, in whose mouth no deceit was ever found. Let us not be afraid of being poor, nor of being treated with contempt. Never on any account whatever let us do that which is our conscience cannot justify." If we lose inward peace, we lose more than a fortune can buy. If we keep in the Lord's own way and never sin against our conscience, our way is sure against all comers. Who is he that can harm us if we be followers of that which is good? We may be thought fools by fools if we are firm in our integrity. But in the place where judgment is infallible, we shall be approved."
As God's people prepare to enter into the Christmas season, they meet with much that distracts and detracts from what should be the main focus of this joyous time of year, the incarnation of God's beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Too often, the demands of holiday traditions and the increasing secularization of this special time obscure the glad news of the angels. Unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. To assist you in meditating upon the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world, let the Bible Speak is happy to offer a unique publication called The Twelve Days of Christmas. Written by Roger Ellsworth, an experienced minister and writer, The Twelve Days of Christmas is a small paperback book containing 24 Christmas devotions, each including a short scripture reading and a concluding portion that draws lines of application from the text to modern-day life. The book is intended to help the hearts and minds of believers to focus on the wonder of the Incarnation, as well as to encourage unbelievers to come in repentance and faith to Christ. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make this inspirational booklet available free of charge to our listening audience. You may have a copy simply by contacting us by phone, email, or regular mail. By phone, call 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. We encourage you to request your free copy of The Twelve Days of Christmas today. Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns will conclude a message entitled, Christ the Lord of the Sabbath and the Superior of the Temple. From the passage in Mark chapter 2, we see another instance of Christ arousing the anger of the Pharisees by what they viewed as violating the Sabbath. In facing their opposition, the Lord Jesus made two astounding claims. First, he declared himself to be Lord of the Sabbath, with the prerogative to say what could and could not be done. Then the Lord Jesus declared himself to be greater than the temple, the one in whom the offices of prophet, priest, and king were united. He is the prophet foretold by Moses, who would reveal God's will to the people. 
He is our great high priest, whose priesthood supersedes that of the Old Testament priests by virtue of his conquest of death. He is the ever-living king, whose reign will never end. The temple of that day was destroyed by the Romans, but Christ is our eternal temple, for we dwell in him by faith. Now Dr. Cairns brings the final portion of this message, Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath and the Superior of the Temple. But there was only one temple where God met with man. And Jesus says, I am the fulfillment of all that that temple prefigures. I am greater than the temple. Here, here, God will meet with you. You'll be reconciled to God, Jew or Gentile, man of every race, every religion, every culture, every creed, man of every background, of every educational or economic or social status in life. They can come to the one Christ, and God says, there will I meet with you. He's greater than the temple. In those ways, he's greater in his priesthood. In the temple, the priests ministered. You know the first thing they had to do? They had to offer sacrifices for their own sins. That's why the priests of the Old Testament never actually removed anybody's sins. Romans 3 tells us God forbore, was through the forbearance of God, that as it were, he overlooked those sins, looking forward to the blood of his Son, he forgave them. But the priests were sinners. Christ's priesthood is a sinless priesthood. He didn't need to offer for his own sins, for he had none. Furthermore, the priest died. One of the most uh, poignant pictures in Scripture is when Moses and Aaron and Eleazar went out of the camp and up into the mount. Moses took the clothes of the high priest off Aaron and he put them in Eleazar. And Aaron lay down to die. And it was a new high priest who came down that day. Then Eleazar died, and they took his garments, and they put, put them upon his son Phinehas. And then he died, and then the next one, and the next one. It was a transferable priesthood. But Paul writes to the Hebrews that Christ has an unchangeable, the word is an untransferable priesthood. Oh, he's greater than the temple and its priesthood. He's greater than the temple in the perfection of his work. In the temple, every year there was the, obser the observance of the Day of Atonement. But those sacrifices could never put away sin. Read Hebrews 10, if you will, especially the first 14 verses, and you'll find out that there, if they had taken away sin, they would have ceased being offered. If the sacrifice this year dealt with sin, then it wouldn't need to be repeated next year. But the very repetition of the sacrifice was proof of its inefficiency. 
But we read in Hebrews chapter 10, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Better than the temple in the atonement that he made and in the acceptance that he gained. He sat down at the right hand of God. I've often pointed out, and you should never forget, that when God gave the rules for the priests to work in the tabernacle and then in the temple, he made no provision for them to rest. You read about the details. God said, make it according to the pattern that was shown you in the mount. Read of the details of the priests. Everything was given right down to the pins and cords of the tabernacle. Down to the detail of the ashes. God didn't overlook anything. So this is not just arguing from silence. God meant that, that there was no seat in the tabernacle for the priest because he could not rest. His work was never done. But when on Calvary Christ cried, It is finished. He offered one sacrifice forever and then did what? He sat down. And by the way, when you get to Matthew 8, Jesus tells us what we're going to do in the kingdom. What will we do? Many shall come from the east and the west and do what? Shall sit down. What are we doing? We're resting forever in the merit of the acceptance and the finished work of Christ. And so in him we have acceptance. And that's the force of Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6, that we are accepted in the beloved, accepted in the Son of God's love. Oh, he's greater than the temple in the perfection of his work, his atonement, his acceptance, and therefore in the access to God that he gives to all his people. There's a beautiful verse in Ephesians 3, verse 12, which says that we have boldness and access with confidence through him. Boldness and access with confidence through him. We heard in the opening prayer this morning about the veil of the temple being rent in twain from top to bottom. What a beautiful picture that is. That veil was no paper-thin thing, you know. If you'd got a team of men on one side of it and a team of men on the other pulling, they could not have ripped it apart. If you'd put cart horses on one side and on the other, they couldn't have ripped it apart. But when Jesus died, it was rent. And I want you to notice it was from the top to the bottom. You never get into God's presence from the ground up. It has to be from the top to the bottom. It has to be God's work, Christ's merits, intervening on our behalf. And the way into the holiest is now made manifest. We have access. The Jews could hardly understand that. In fact, after that, you have one of the saddest things in history because the temple stood for uh, uh, between 30 and 40 more years. Now, the temple veil had been rent. Do you know what the Jews had to do? Can you see some foolish little priests? And they're taking their needle and their thread, 
and they're showing up what God rent into. Man's religion never proceeds beyond that. God has made a way into his presence, boldness and access with confidence. And it's not only the Jews, but man, you'll find it throughout apostate Christendom. There are people who want to put a veil between the believer and getting through to God. They'll put Mary there. They'll put the saints there. They'll put the priest there. They'll put the church there. They'll put anything there, anything to block up or show up the veil. But Jesus says, I'm greater than the temple. I have made a perfect access to God. And one final thing I'll say is this. He's greater in the temple in the permanence of his person, priesthood, and work. He said, destroy this temple, and I'll raise it up again. They laughed. They said, this temple? 46 years, it's been a building. It's not even finished yet. You're going to raise it up in three days? Of course, you know, the Lord could raise that temple up in three seconds. He created the whole world in six days, so there wouldn't be much trouble built in that temple, would there? But he was talking of a greater miracle than that. A miracle that makes the miracle of creation seem a little thing. He was talking about the God-man dying and then rising again. That's the miracle of all miracles. God in going to the cross and rising again. He says, you destroy this temple and I raise it up. The indestructible Christ. He said, look at this temple. You will not condemn the priests for working in the temple, but you condemn these disciples for working for me. I'm greater than the temple. This temple is destructible. And how quickly the Jews were to find that out. You go to Jerusalem today, you find a ruined site. You've got the Western Wall. There the Jews will go and they will wheel. They will put in little written prayers into the crevices in the rocks. But it's just an archaeological site. The temple was destroyed. But Jesus says... This temple is indestructible. Men and women, I want you to get what Christ is saying about himself this morning. And I want you to realize what a privilege it is for you and me to know and serve him. What he's saying to these people, the people who serve me are beyond condemnation. I'm not going to listen to their condemnation. Are they perfect yet? No, they're not. They're not. But I'm not going to have them condemned and criticized and put down. I am their defender. Oh, what a blessed and glorious thing it is. When he says, I will have mercy, I desire mercy. He says, I desire to give it. And I desire to see my people give it. So these people who work for me, they're doing the greatest work on earth. Wonder this morning, has that ever gripped your heart? Do you feel it? Or is the work of God an imposition? Sunday again, I've got to go out to church. And that preacher expects me to go twice. 
No, no, no. Not just this preacher. Remember what I said. It's not what I say. I'm not the Lord of the Sabbath. The Lord Jesus is. Do you feel any of the joy of what it is to be serving Christ? Have you got out from under the burden of a so-called Christian life that's just bitterness and bondage and defeat, criticizing yourself and everybody else that comes within your purview? Or do you feel the joy... He's greater than the temple. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. When I work, I'm working not for a church, not for a preacher. I'm working for Jesus. When I come out on the Sabbath day, when I sanctify this day, it is not just to be different from the world. It's not to do what a preacher says. I'm doing it for the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm doing it for the Lord of my life. For me... Christ is all and in all. May God give us in our hearts an amen to the claim of the Savior who said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath and I'm the superior of the temple. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Let's all pray. Father in heaven, bring souls to Christ today. How we thank thee for him, Lord of the Sabbath. We would today worship our Lord in this Sabbath day. We'd give ourselves to thee afresh in this day, and we would live every day in the light of it. Our God, we would pray that thou wilt give us a heart like that of Christ, a heart that knows mercy, a heart that feels the warmth of the love of Christ, God, save us from folly. Save us from hard-heartedness. Save us from using the Scriptures as a cover-up for our own spiritual dearth and deadness. Oh, God, get us in living, vital contact with Christ afresh today. Bless every individual here, every home here. Bless this church. O oh God, our Father, take us beyond external religion, the mere ritual even of saying and doing the right things. Lord, let us say and do the right things, but let us do so through a living faith and a vital love for Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. 
Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. 